You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. God can do the impossible. When up against impossible odds, God can do anything, and He can do anything He wants, any way He wants, any time He wants. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. You know, oftentimes we find ourselves perplexed when we read Scripture, especially when it comes to Bible prophecy, and we think, wow, how's God going to do that? When God says He'll do something, He'll do it, even if it seems impossible in our own eyes. Pastor J.D. will talk about the destruction of Israel's enemies in the past and in the future and the return of Jesus. So many prophecies seem hard to believe in, but God sometimes allows the unlikely and the impossible so he can come through and be glorified. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 48 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We're going through the Psalms tonight. We're going to pick it up in Psalm 48 and Lord willing make it to Psalm 50. This is now a third of the way through the book of Psalms. Get there, turn there. So we're told that it's a song, again, it's a psalm of the sons of Korah. Verse 1, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in his holy mountain, beautiful in elevation. I want you to pay particular attention to verse 2. It's going to be germane to our understanding of this psalm. Beautiful in elevation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north. Again, hang on to that. I want to come back to that. The city of the great king. God, verse 3, is in her palaces. He is known as her refuge. For behold, the kings assembled. They passed by together. They saw it. And so they marveled. They were troubled. They hastened away. Fear took hold of them there, and pain as of a woman in birth pangs, as when you break the ships of Tarshish with an east wind. As we have heard, verse 8, so we have seen in the city of the Lord of hosts. In the city of our God, God will establish it forever, Selah. Again, meaning pause or stop and consider and meditate. Verse 9, we have thought, O God, on your loving kindness in the midst of your temple, according to your name, O God. So is your praise to the ends of the earth, your right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of your judgments. Walk about Zion and go all around her. Count 
her towers. Mark well her bulwarks. Consider her palaces that you may tell it to the generation following. For this is God, our God, forever and ever. He will be our guide even to death. Wow, what a psalm. Interesting psalm. Psalm 48 is a great psalm to begin our Bible study with tonight. We tried to end our Bible study last week, but we didn't quite get there. Woven into this psalm, though, is a very important detail, and it's that of this reference in verse 2 to the vulnerability of Jerusalem from the north. What's interesting is Jerusalem is, to this day, by the way, protected by both its elevation and its steep valleys that provide a barrier from invading enemies. And this was the problem, actually, in and during this time. And the reason is, is that from the north, Jerusalem is the most vulnerable to attack. So what's the importance of this detail? And what does it speak to in our lives? I believe that it speaks to the paramount importance of knowing where our vulnerabilities lie. Where is our north side? We shore up those areas in our lives where we think we stand strong in. However, like the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians said, be careful if you think you stand strong lest you fall. We're really prone to be extra careful in those areas that we know are weaknesses, we know are vulnerable, and there is in every believer's life that north side, as it were. That one area, I mean, this area, we're okay. This area, we're protected. But boy, that area, that's where we're vulnerable. And Satan knows it. And we've talked about that and are talking about that on Sunday mornings in our study through Ephesians. Like the two Psalms before it, Psalm 48 is a Psalm of celebration. This is a celebration for the miraculous deliverance of God from the hand of the Assyrians. You might remember from last week that there were 185,000 Assyrians that had besieged the city of Jerusalem and were, by any stretch of the imagination, going to conquer it. As they had conquered all of the cities, some believe over 200 cities, as they made their way towards Jerusalem from the north, by the way. And so now they've reached Jerusalem and the Assyrians were so ruthless and merciless that it was well known that when the Assyrians had besieged and encamped around about your city, you would do well just to surrender. Because it's just a matter of time before they're going to conquer that city that they are surrounding and besieging. 
And if you didn't surrender, oh, they would make an example of you. And you'll forgive the graphic nature with which I describe this, but again, I think it's key to our understanding. They would take those in the city after conquering the city, and they would behead them and put on stakes their heads out in front of the city as if to say, uh, this is what happens when you don't surrender. So the next time we uh, show up at your doorstep, just, just surrender. Now here they are at the doorstep of the city of Jerusalem. And by the way, this is why in that well-known psalm and that favorite verse in that psalm, Psalm 46.10, God says to Israel, in light of being besieged by these Assyrians, he says, be still and know that I am God. You have nothing to worry about. Through the prophet Isaiah, he would promise them that not even one Assyrian would enter the city walls. And not only that, not even one arrow is going to be fired into the city of Jerusalem. Be still, just sit still and watch what I'm going to do. Well, what did God do? Well, we see it in the book of Second Kings. We talked about it again last week. And this is why the psalm is a psalm of celebration. So we're told that an angel, no name. This is not Gabriel. This is not Michael. This is a no-name angel. Just goes, and at night, he just kills them. And then <laughs> the Israelites wake up in the morning, and what do they find? 185,000 dead Assyrians. Oh, maybe that's why God said, be still and know that I am God. Maybe that's why God promised that not one Assyrian would enter into this. Not one out of 185,000. Not one arrow would fly in. God would deal this devastating blow and defeat the Assyrians that were besieging the city of Jerusalem. When we talk about Ezekiel 38, it's very interesting because you get the impression Though it's not stated, but it's implied that this defeat of this alliance of nations that invades Israel to take a spoil will be dealt a decimating blow by the hand of God. Now the question is, how is he going to do it? Is he going to do what he did with the Assyrians, just you know, basically kill them? Or is he going to do what he did throughout the history of Israel and just have all of Israel's enemies be thrown into chaos and confusion and kill each other. That's why I pointed out. I think about, well, I mean, oh my, oh my goodness, I, time doesn't permit, but one of my favorite ones is uh, the uh, account of Gideon with his 300 men, and he's up against a similar number of Midianites, 135,000, not 185, might as well be 185 because there's only, it's, it's 135,000 to 300. 
And they're thrown into chaos at the sound of the breaking of the clay vessels because they think that all 300 of them represent a number of, you know, military men behind them. And they think, oh no, we're outnumbered. And they freak out and they're thrown into confusion and they flee. And that's how God defeats them. God can do the impossible when up against impossible odds. God can do anything and he can do anything he wants, any way he wants, any time he wants. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. You know, oftentimes we find ourselves perplexed when we read scripture, especially when it comes to Bible prophecy, and we think, wow, how's God going to do that? And I mean, even in the context of the rapture, I, I was thinking about this this last week. I know I'm kind of getting off. We'll get back to our uh, psalm study here in a moment, but maybe this is uh, to encourage somebody tonight. I was thinking about the rapture and, of course, how we just long for his appearing and we want the Lord to return and the Lord can't come back soon enough. But have you really given any thought to what it's really going to be like when the dead in Christ rise first? And we who are alive and remain are caught up. And it's going to happen in not the blink of an eye, the twinkling of an eye, like a sparkle. I mean, that's just like a, I don't know what the measurement would be, but it's it's a fraction of a second of time. It's going to be that quick as Paul writing to the Corinthians in chapter 15 says that we're going to put off corruptible. That's our old bodies. We who are alive and remain. I can't wait for that. Just that alone. I'm just thinking to myself, wow, I get this thing's got miles on it. And I'm in this thing in the twinkling of an eye, it's put off and in its place, I put on incorruptible. I get my glorified body, man. And I was thinking about it with my uh, daughter, Noel, that she's going to get her new glorified body first because the dead in Christ rise first. And we're going to meet them in the air as we meet the Lord in the air. Now, the reason I kind of went off on this is because this is going to happen. How's God going to do it? Oh, psh. God's going to do it. Yeah, but th this is like nothing that we could ever in the finite wrap our minds around. How's that going to work? And how's that going to be? And what's it going to be like? Well, we'll find out. But that is what God is going to do. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. I remember uh, many years ago, and I'll end with this one. <laughs> Did I say that about the last one? Doesn't matter. I'm, I'll end with this one. So I was asked, this is a while back, a few years ago now, I think. This guy asked me, do you really believe in a secret rapture? I mean, just the, the way, you know how it is when sometimes, just the way somebody asks you a question you just, it's just wrong. You know, it's kind of like the, it's, it's, the question is wrong. And here you are struggling to find the right answer to a wrong question. I mean, just the way it's asked is kind of, you know, it's kind of laced with almost a mocking ridicule. You don't really believe that 
God's going to rapture in the twinkling of an eye his people. And it's just going to be this disappearance. Come on. I'm just like, well, let me see here. This is what my Bible says. What does your Bible say? This is what my Bible says. So if God said it, that settles it. God's going to do it. Period. End of story. That's it. I believe it. By faith. And oh, by the way, um, how do I say this without sounding, uh, well, I'll just say it. (laughs) I hope it doesn't come off wrong. I hope you don't misunderstand me. But wouldn't you agree that God has a pretty good track record? No, right? No, I was thinking about this too, because he always tells you ahead of time before he does it. He's going to tell you what's going to happen before it happens, so when it happens, you'll believe. It's almost like one of those divine, I told you so. I'm going to deliver you from the Assyrians. Wait, 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 no, no. You don't understand, God. We're doomed. We're done. We're dead. There's 185,000 of them. It's over. This is how it ends. Oh, really? No, I told you I'm going to do it. Now watch me. Watch me now. Sometimes I think that God just likes to do it, if for no other reason, just to blow our minds. You don't think I can do it? Really? You don't, you don't think I <laughs> Watch this. It's not just that he's going to do it, it's how he's going to do it. And why he's going to do it is because he gets all the glory. And again, that's the other thing we're going to talk about, Lord willing, on Sunday. I'm not trying to preach Sunday's sermon tonight. But sometimes God will make that situation in yours and my life impossible just so he can do the impossible. Because that way only he gets the glory. Even if we wanted, we could never take the credit for it. Because (laughs) could you imagine Jerusalem taking the credit? For 185,000 Assyrians just being killed overnight, wake up in the morning, and all these other cities going, how'd you guys do that? They conquer every city. Could you imagine them? Oh, you should have seen us. Yeah, we were sleeping, and (laughs) we just woke up, and that's how we did it. No, God did it in a way that only he gets The glory, because it's impossible. But guess what? He's the God of the impossible. All right, Psalm 49. This is to the chief musician, a psalm of the sons of Korah again, verse 1. Hear this, all peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall give understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will disclose my dark sayings on the harp. Remember now, this is a song. Why should I fear in the days of evil, when the iniquity at my heels surrounds me? Those, verse 6, who trust in their wealth, and boast in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their souls is costly. You know what that's referring to. 
and it shall cease forever. That, verse 9, he should continue to live eternally and not see the pit. For he sees wise men die. Likewise, the fool and the senseless person perish and leave their wealth to others. Their inner thought, verse 11, is that their houses will last forever. Their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. That's true to this day, by the way, isn't it? That streets are named after wealthy people. Towns and cities are named after very wealthy people. Nevertheless, man, verse 12, though in honor, does not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. This is the way of those who are foolish and of their posterity who approve their sayings. Selah. Like sheep, they are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them. The upright shall have dominion over them in the morning. And their beauty shall be consumed in the grave far from their dwelling. But God, I like that, verse 15. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me, Selah. Do not be afraid when one becomes rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dies, he shall carry nothing away. You've heard it said, I'm sure, I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. I'll just give you a minute to think about that, right? You, you, you don't take it with you. You do not carry anything away. Like Job said, naked I came into this world and naked I will leave this world. So when he dies, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend, key word, after him. Though while he lives, he blesses himself. For men will praise you when you do well for yourself. He shall go, verse 19, to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see light. A man who is in honor yet does not understand is like the beasts that perish. What an interesting psalm, right? So Psalm 49 is about the utter folly of one trusting in their riches, and you'll forgive me for saying it this way, at the expense, no pun intended, at, of trusting in God. One who has put all of their trust in their wealth. And here, the psalmist so eloquently, even poetically, provides us with the reasons as to why it is that trusting in one's wealth is so foolish, one of which is that he will leave it all behind when he dies. He takes nothing with him. Thanks for taking the time to listen today to In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has been taking us through the book of Psalms, detailing the author's messages of hope and pain, joy and sorrow. You may have found today that you identified with the sentiments expressed in today's passage. And if that's the case, we encourage you to explore more. Dive into the Word yourself and ask God to reveal additional love and personal truth 
that he knows you need to hear today. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in Psalms 2, you can find them online at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Are you a part of a community of believers? If you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to urge you to remedy that soon. A church family can be a source of support, a cheering squad, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. This is also a place you can give of your unique talents in support of others as well. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. There's a lot to discover at our website, including a link to our mobile app, social media pages, and Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Updates. That website, one more time, is inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have for today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of Psalms, right here on In Spirit and Truth. <laughs> 